Well, good morning, everybody, and Merry, mighty Christmas to you. Uh, glad that you're here for our Christmas Sunday. It is good to worship together. As we prayed about, uh, the worship team and all of us prayed about this morning, uh, we don't want to take this for granted, that we get to gather together. I don't know if you remember last Christmas, it was a little uh, up in the air. Right? Uh, a little bit crazy. And so this is something that we cannot take for granted. It is great to be able to worship together with you in person. I can see you. Some of you I can't because you're, you know, watching online. That's cool. Uh, but we're glad that you're here. So Merry Christmas. So one more quick plug for the candlelight services. We have communion tonight. Come to that. It's quiet, contemplative. Somebody will be there to serve you communion and pray for you and all that. But then this Thursday is is our candlelight services. This is kind of our big uh, special celebration, a little bit different, a little bit set apart. Everything's going to be a little bit, you know, darker, quieter. It's going to be at night. We have candles. We're going to light candles and sing at the end. It's going to be a beautiful time. But just quick reminder, because I mentioned this last week, and this is important. If you are a Northridger, you normally come here, this is your normal thing, then you need to remember on Thursday, because we're going to have a lot of people here to do some important things. Number one, invite people. Okay, This is one of those times where it's just people are thinking about what do they want to do for Christmas, and a lot of people think, hey, let's go to church. right? And so invite your friends, family, neighbors, people, that, that person that you've been scared to invite. Yay! This is your time. Aren't you guys excited? Merry Christmas to you too, right? And so do that, but then when you come on Thursday, remember the three really important things. If you're a regular Northridger, get here early, park really far away, and sit up close and in the middle. No, seriously. Take the worst spots, take the worst seats, where I can see you and spit on you right here. Right? Because we want to show people what it looks like to love them and serve them before we meet them. It's really, really important. And so make sure you do that. And by the way, a lot of you Northridges, you do this on a regular basis every week. And I so appreciate that. That is awesome. So uh, a long, long time ago, when I was a teenager... My parents, my mom and dad, took my brother and I, Bryce, he's about four years younger than me at this point, and I was in high school, so he probably was in middle school at this point. We're both teenagers. And my parents took us to go camping at Wyalusing State Park. Just out of curiosity, how many of you in here have been to Wyalusing State Park? All right, quite a few of you, so some of you are going to know what I'm talking about. So we got there expecting to have this amazing camping experience for a few days. We set up the tent on the bluff overlooking the Mississippi River Valley. If you've ever been to Wyalusing, you know they have campsites that are kind of out there. Just Literally, it's just grass, and then there's this major drop-off, and then the Mississippi River Valley. Beautiful views. And so we set up our, our, our big tent that we, that we sleep in you know, for several nights, and we get all the same. We have this wonderful dinner over the fire and, and the grill and all kinds of stuff. It was just amazing and we kind of settled in for what was going to be this awesome, you know, few days. Well, everything changed that night from what we thought because that night one of those really major storms rolled over the Mississippi River Valley. You remember that straight wind storm that we had just a few nights ago? I know some of you do because that was a little bit scary, right? It was similar wasn't the same, but similar to that. 
thunder, lightning, wind, and imagine that we're in a tent, right? And so the tent is lit up every time the lightning goes. The, the tent is flapping, all this kind of stuff. And Bryce and I, we fall asleep eventually, but then we wake up a few hours later to thunder and lightning smash, and the, the tent is literally, you can feel the poles shaking on the outside. Right? It's the old kind of poles that were actually metal and they fit together like that. And so they're rattling as things are shaking. And, and when we woke up, we, kind of, we didn't let our parents know, but we kind of turn our heads and we see our parents holding the door, the tent door, shut with their hands because the zipper had busted in the, in the wind. Oh, yes. And that's not the best part. My parents, my mom and dad, were having a heated conversation that's pastor language for they were fighting. We didn't let mom and dad know that we were awake because when that happens, you just want to be in the corner, right? And so we're laying there just kind of listening and watching this happen from underneath the sleeping bags. And they're going back and forth and they're holding this against the wind and the rain and literally the zipper is one of those kind of half dome. And the thing, the rain's coming, is a mess. And they're having a heated discussion. You know what the heated discussion was about? Probably some of you know this. My dad wanted to salvage the camping night and stay in the tent and ride out the storm. Mom wanted nothing to do with it. And so it was back and forth. And they were trying to fix the zipper, right? They're trying to get it back on track. It's not working. The wind and the rain is blowing in. Everything's shaking. And Bryce and I are just laying there wondering what's going to happen. Mainly with our parents, not with the storm. Right? And eventually the, the argument reached a point, I don't know how long it took, but eventually it reached a point where the argument ended. And this is how it ended. It ended with my mother saying, Dan, I'm leaving. The boys are coming with me. We're going to a hotel. You can come if you want. Let me just tell you, there was no more arguing at that point. It was over. It was done. Right? She let go of the door. Woke us up. We were already awake. They didn't know that. But they woke us up. We grabbed our stuff. We literally ran to the vehicle, which was probably 20, 30 yards away. And we're soaking wet. We got to the hotel, spent a nice night. We got back the next morning. Good thing we left. The tent, literally, we couldn't find it at first because it was flat on the ground. Had not survived the night. So the reason I bring that up is, have you ever been disappointed because your plans didn't work out. Have you ever been disappointed because what you expected to have happen didn't or what you didn't want to happen did? Have you ever been disappointed? Well, today we're going to continue our series called Peace? Really? Where is it? In this Christmas season, by talking about how can you, how can I experience peace this Christmas when we're disappointed with God and how life has turned out? That's a tough topic, right, for Christmas? But it's one that we don't talk about often because it's one that we don't like to deal with. But we're going to talk about how do we experience, how do we find peace in the midst of disappointment? Well, let's jump into the Christmas story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you like to follow along uh, on your phone or on your own Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, so we're going to jump in there. But just to kind of catch you up, Joseph and Mary, 
right? Jesus's mom and dad, they, they haven't had baby Jesus yet, but, they, but Mary is very pregnant. She's nine months pregnant. And Joseph and Mary have to make a trip from Nazareth all the way to the little town of Bethlehem, right? Which is a long, long journey. It's going to take them several days to walk or ride a donkey. We don't know. By the way, we don't know if Mary rode a donkey, you realize. Okay, we put her on a donkey because I think we feel better about ourselves. Because we're like, she had to go like 90 miles walking? No way. I'm sure Joseph got a donkey for her. We don't know. It doesn't say that, right? All we know is they ended up in a place for animals, but we don't know if they had a donkey. So all we know is they had to travel when she was nine months pregnant. And they get to Bethlehem. And where I want to pick up the story is the moment that they get to Bethlehem and they give birth to baby Jesus. All right, let's pick it up there. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. And while they were there in Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. Anybody want good news? I think we need good news. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So there is a lot that happens in there, but did you notice the promise that the angels, the armies of heaven, ushered in or vo vocally spoke or sang to the shepherds that night at the very end there. They said, don't be afraid, good news, Jesus is born, Messiah, all that kind of stuff. And then they end by saying, peace to you, peace on earth. Peace on earth. Now what's interesting is, if you think about the Christmas story, the last thing I would describe the Christmas story as being, when you think about Joseph and Mary and King Herod and the shepherds and the wise men and all the different pieces of the Christmas story, the last thing I think about, to be honest, is peace. There was not a whole lot of peace going on in the Christmas story. For example, let me, let me just tell you this. So Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married. When all of this happened, when all of this went down, when God revealed to them what was going to happen, they were engaged to be married. Now, just so that we're clear, this is important to know. In our culture, when you're engaged to be married, it's like a really strong promise, right? In Joseph and Mary's culture, in Jesus's day, if you were engaged to be married, you were already married. You were already, it's already a done deal. You just haven't had the ceremony yet. It's already a done deal. It is not something that you change from. It is not, and it is, I know the engagement here is kind of like, yeah, we're really planning on this. We hope it all works out, right? In our culture, that's kind of how we view it a little bit. But in their day and age, engaged meant married. 
In Jewish culture, you had kind of the first part, which is engagement, but that was basically like they're married. They just can't act like it yet. And then they're married, right? But they're promised to each other, and so they're considered to be married. I'll, I'll prove this here in just a few minutes. Hold on for that, okay? So Joseph and Mary, just imagine that God enters into their life. God sends an angel to Mary and says, hey, guess what? You're going to be pregnant. And she says, wait a minute. How does this happen? Uh, I, I'm, I'm engaged. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be married to Joseph. Uh, but God, you understand how this whole baby thing works, right? I, I haven't done that. Right? I mean, no, seriously, she does. She's like, how can this be in the story? I'm not going to read that part, but that's what she's like, God, how does this work? You understand that I haven't gone there yet. I haven't done this yet. And God says, I know. Don't worry. I'm going to work things out. We're good. It's going to be a, a virgin birth. Isn't that cool? <laughs> what? Right? Nobody's ever heard of this. And so God completely changes her plans. But now what we think of is we think of like the angel comes to Mary. And Mary's like, oh, okay. And then her answer is very beautiful. She says, God, may everything you have just said about me come true. In other words, I'm your servant, God. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. That's an amazing response. Now, here's the thing, though. She has to explain this to Joseph. That's going to be fun. Right? Just, just think about that. Mary has to go to Joseph because God did not reveal it to Joseph yet. Mary has to go to Joseph and everybody, her entire village, Nazareth is small, it's like a few hundred people, everybody's going to find out. In a culture where you, get this, you can be executed for what everybody thinks she did in their culture. Yeah, they're not very forgiving about this kind of a thing. And Mary has to explain this to Joseph. Just imagine how that goes, right? Mary goes to Joseph and says, so, Joe, <laughs> sit down. Right? Guess what? So I'm pregnant. Yay! And Joseph knows, get this, Joseph knows it's not him. Right? He knows it's not him. And, and so Mary's trying to explain this. No, 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 really, it's the Holy Spirit. Sure, Mary. Right? I mean, just imagine, just think about it for a minute. We don't think about the lack of peace in this moment. Right? If somebody came to you in modern culture today, somebody that you know, somebody in your family, somebody that you, you know well, and they came and said, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant, but it's okay because it's from the Holy Spirit. How many of you go, wow, that's so cool. That's only happened one other time in the Bible. This is amazing. God's doing this again. Is that going to be your response? I'm just curious. I doubt it. Maybe you have more faith than I do. But it's going to be hard to believe, isn't it? You're going to look at them very skeptical, like, okay, what really happened? But I just want us to understand that in this moment, Joseph would have been crushed. Crushed. The woman that he loves, the woman that he is marrying, the woman that he has promised and pledged to spend the rest of his life with, has cheated on him, at least according to him, what it looks like. He would have been devastated. 
And at this point, we know what Joseph decides to do. He's considering very strongly divorcing Mary. Now, again, why does it say divorce her if they're engaged? The reason is because in Jewish culture, they were married. That's why the Bible tells us Joseph was secretly considering quietly divorcing, quietly walking away from Mary because he didn't want to hurt her anymore. But he was in pain because she betrayed him at least in his mind. And this is what's really interesting. It is in that pain, it is in that hurt, it is in that disappointment that God comes to Joseph. I want to read this moment. Joseph is sleeping and he has his dream and God sends an angel to speak to Joseph in the midst of this pain, this hurt that he's feeling, this betrayal. And this is what the angel says in the dream to Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. As Joseph considered this, divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine in that moment, seriously, by the way, Joseph is going, oh, Mary was telling the truth. Like, that's a big deal. He's like, oh, makes him feel so much better, right? And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Wow. So Joseph wakes up from this dream where God reveals this to him, and now Joseph and Mary both know the plan, and so the rest of the Christmas story is just peaceful and glorious and perfect there on out. Except it's not. It's completely the opposite of that. There is a severe lack of peace in the Christmas story from here on out. In fact, it gets worse. Yay! Right? The truth is that from here on out, what happens, we get this idea of Joseph and Mary. In fact, I have a picture. Let's throw that, that picture up there. This is kind of the idea that we get of Joseph and Mary. Oh, Beautiful. I mean, let's get the perfect shot, right? There's a glow on the clouds behind them. It's perfect. It's not raining. It's not snowing. Joseph is lovingly looking at Mary. Mary's lovingly looking at the baby. Baby Jesus isn't crying. We are just good. He's laying on a really comfortable bed of hay. It's not prickly at all. Life is grand, peaceful. It's perfect. By the way, if you really wanted to propagate this idea that Joseph and Mary had a peaceful Christmas story, you can buy an inflatable version. Check this out. Oh, yeah. It'll cost you 140 bucks, but you can do it. <laughs> Look at how happy they are. Man, inflatable Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Inflatable nativity. The truth is, this could not be further from the truth. There's no peace in the Christmas story. Just let me walk through kind of what really happened. Okay? Joseph and Mary, we already talked about, they have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That was a really dangerous journey. Animals, thieves, bandits, they have to fight all those, especially when people are vulnerable. This was a very dangerous situation to get all the way to Bethlehem. So then they get to Bethlehem, and then when they get to Bethlehem, we'll find out that Joseph forgot to go to Hotels.com or Verbo or Airbnb and book them up. So they have no lodging. Joseph, you messed up. Right? I would have loved the conversation between Joseph and Mary on that one. Right? They get to Bethlehem, and she's like, Joe, 
You forgot to find us a place. They get to Bethlehem. They have nowhere to stay. Mary's nine months pregnant. And so they end up finding a place in a stable, in a room that was built and houses animals. Just, just question, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you would love to give birth in a nasty, dirty barn? Yes, that's what I've always dreamed. But that's what they have to do. And not only that, but Jesus is born, and then what happens? God decides to announce the arrival of Jesus right after he's born to some smelly shepherds and then guess what he sends them right from the fields right to them to hold the baby without showering come on can you imagine seriously when you've given birth like you're, you're in there and you, you've just given birth to the baby how many of you want as many people to come in and hang out and see you as possible i doubt it i know where my wife was at on the three times we did this she didn't want people hanging around. Yay, bring it in. It's going to be great. How, how do I look? <laughs> right? Remember Mary just gave birth to Jesus in a barn, in a stable with animals. They had nowhere to put baby Jesus, so they laid him in a feeding trough. We call it a manger because it's so beautiful. It was a feeding trough for animals. There's no peace going on here. And then on top of that, it gets worse. They find out that King Herod wants to kill their child. They have to leave their home region completely, and they end up in Egypt. A lot of people forget that Joseph and Mary and Jesus actually lived in Egypt for a while. They had to live in Egypt because King Herod wanted to kill him. This is a severe lack of peace. They don't even return to Nazareth until at minimum three years later. And by the way, when they do come back to Nazareth, everybody knows their story and they're probably shunned because they don't believe what happened with Mary like Joseph knows. There's a severe lack of peace. And so I leave you with this question now off of the heels of that. Have you been disappointed with God at times in your life? I'm guessing that at times Joseph and Mary did. Maybe some of us in here, you had plans for a family in a certain way and that didn't really come to fruition for you. I know some of us in here, that that's, that's the struggle. Maybe you're here and, and the disappointment is you went into a marriage thinking this was going to be for life and it's going to be this thing and that or whatever and it didn't turn out that way. I know that's a lot of us in here. I know. Maybe you're here. Maybe we've got a lot of you guys that are students at school. Maybe you are hoping and you've been planning, you've been dreaming about the day that the bullies stop picking on you. Disappointment comes in a lot of different packages, doesn't it? So I want to give you some hope and encouragement today. The whole point of Christmas is that God knew that we were in pain. God knew that sin was messing up this world. God knew that we needed something powerful. We needed Him. 
And so what did God do? God sent Jesus. And I want to give you this promise here today because this promise is not only true because of Christmas, but it continues to be true. And that promise is this, that God meets you where you are to take you where you need to be. It's hard to believe that when you're disappointed, though, isn't it? But it's true. God meets you where you are, wherever that is, in your hurt, in your pain, in your disappointment with life, with God. He meets you where you are in order to take you where you need to go. He did this for Joseph, didn't he, in the dream? He met Joseph right in the midst of his, in the midst of his hurt, in the midst of the betrayal. God came to Joseph and let him know, hey, I am here for you. I want to meet you here because I have somewhere for you to be. I want to take you out of this pain, but it's going to take a while to walk through it. It's a bit of a process. It's a bit of a journey, Joseph, but we'll get there. And God is letting him know, I'm with you. You guys know that Jesus' name is also Emmanuel, God with us. There's a reason why Emmanuel does not mean God believes in us or God created us or God is mighty and stronger than us. Emmanuel means God is with, with, here with us. God sent Jesus so he could be with us, with you, even in the midst of your disappointment, no matter what that is. Kind of give an illustration of this. So um, I remember when my parents came to Bryce and I and said, hey, we're considering moving from South Dakota to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We feel like God may be leading us there. And uh, I don't know how long it was, a few days, a few weeks later, and they came back to us. They asked our advice, what we thought about it. Of course, being kids and teenage, almost I was almost a teenager. I was going into middle school. Uh, I didn't want to leave, my friends, right? How many of you were like, yeah, I want to start over. That'd be awesome, you know? Uh, and so we, did, we said we didn't want to do that, but we did animate, uh, we're, we're willing to do what you believe and what God wants us to do, so whatever that is. So a few weeks later, we decide, okay, they, they figure God is calling us to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And so we moved to Eau Claire, Wisconsin from South Dakota. Now, I can tell you that, that those few days, those few first couple of months really for me, really, really awful. I hated it. I don't know how many of us in here have moved to a completely different community, uh, but man, I went into seventh grade. How many of you loved seventh grade, by the way? Not, no, no takers? Literally none? Okay, cool. All right. Well, yeah, middle school is tough. Let's just be honest, right? Middle school is tough. You're trying to figure out what you're doing. You're trying to figure out who you are, uh, who are your friends, who are not your friends, all that good stuff. And then there's all these things popping out, right? Like, you know... Middle school's awesome, right? Some of you were in it. I know, you're, getting, you're like, yeah, I know. Tell me about it, right? And so we moved to a new school, new place, new people, new friends, new everything. Ah! And, and I was not, just so you know, I come across extroverted. I'm actually not. I'm actually not. I was quiet. I was shy. I am way off base here, but, but uh, let me just tell you. But my mom would drive by like the preschool playground and she would just, just to check on me because she'd be worried about me because what I would choose to do is I would choose to play by myself in the corner, like by the tree. 
And she'd drive by and she'd see me playing by myself. And she'd be like, oh, he needs friends. And then she'd say, how, did you play with anybody today? I'd say, no. Well, are you okay? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I was totally fine. You know what I've realized is, I think God needed to make me be a pastor so I could make up for lost time. <laughs> Being so shy early on. That's why you get me so long-witted. I'm sorry about that, right? But we moved to Eau Claire, and those, those first few months were, honestly, they were pretty awful. I don't like to admit this because I'm a guy, but there were a few nights that tears were rolling down as I fell asleep. I hated it. It was, it was awful for me for a while. But then can I tell you what happened after a while? I got to know some amazing people, some of the most amazing people I have ever known, will ever know, still know to this day. Deep, deep, close friendships from people in Eau Claire. From that church, from the school, everything. The music that I got involved in and some other things like that was really, really important for actually what I do now. And here's something that I had no clue about. God was introducing me to Wisconsin culture because he knew that decades later, literally decades later, he would call me to be a pastor and eventually would call me to come and plant a church in Wisconsin. I can see that now. At the time, it just sucked. I'm just going to say it. It was awful. But the truth is, God meets us where we are in order to take us where we need to be. And by the way, we all know this. We just don't like to walk through it, right? We know this is why, for example, this is why we have coaches and teachers. What do coaches and teachers do? Coaches kind of push you. They motivate you. They give you skills and abilities. Teachers give you knowledge or whatever the case is. And what do they do? They meet you wherever you are, whatever that skill is, whatever that knowledge is, whatever you're, you know, you know, they meet you where you are, but then they don't leave you there, do they? If they leave you there, they're a bad coach and a bad teacher. Just so that we're clear, if a coach or a teacher leaves you where you are, and when you leave their presence, if you're not different, then they're not a good coach or a good teacher. Right? We're clear on this, right? In other words, there was no point for them being there. Why did you even go if you didn't change in some way? And this is exactly what God does. God meets you. This is why he sent Jesus. Jesus. He sent Jesus to meet with us, to, to insert into our lives so that he could then take us somewhere into his peace, into his purpose. But let's be honest for a moment. The disappointment process is hard. I don't know of anybody that wants to walk through that. Even though Jesus meets us in the midst of it, I don't know of a lot of people that want to walk through that. Because disappointment is just painful. So I brought a, uh, a chair here today because I wanted to illustrate something. So this chair represents something that is important and powerful. It's what we've been talking about. I want this chair, this empty chair, to represent your disappointment. 
whatever that is. All of, our, all of us have different disappointment. I want this to represent your disappointment, whatever that is. Whatever you're bitter about, whatever you're angry about, whatever didn't work out in your life, this chair represents disappointment. The reason I use an empty chair is because this represents disappointment for me this year. I have a picture uh, that I want to show you. Go ahead and pull that up. This is a picture of my dad's chair. This is the chair uh, when my family and I or any of us go over to my parents' house. This is where my dad, now my dad was really active, so he rarely sat in a chair. But when he did sit in the chair, this is where he was at. I've seen him sitting in this chair when we've played games together late at night after the kids have gone to bed. This is the chair where we've watched football together, movies together. This is the chair where my dad has sat with all three of my children and all three of my brother's kids and read stories to them, played games with them. Yes, did iPad with them. This chair, for me, is special, but it also represents something kind of painful, especially in this season. Here's the truth, though. Here's what I know. Most of us in here probably have empty chairs in our lives. Right? I know I can show a picture of this chair, and you guys all have chairs. You have chairs that are empty. From someone something that didn't work out. All of us have empty chairs in our lives. Disappointments. A chair that we thought we were hoping was going to be filled with something that isn't. And what I want to encourage you, what God promises and why he sent Jesus is he says, I know that the chair's empty. But God says, I'm here. I'm here with you, even in the midst of the room where the empty chair is. I'm there with you. I love you. I'm sending Jesus to be with you. I want to give you my peace, God says. In fact, I want to show you a second picture. It's actually a picture that I took. It was the very week. It was the very week my dad passed. And it was this book that was sitting right next to that chair that I just showed you. The picture of that, there's, there's two tables that sit on either side of that chair. And right next to the chair was this, was this book. And a lot of you have probably read it. But I, I want you, the reason I show you a picture of that book is I want, do you see the words in the middle underneath the title? Enjoying peace in his presence. That is what my dad was reading and experiencing as much as he possibly could in those last few weeks. Enjoying 
peace in God's presence. That is what my hope is for you. Because what I know is that a lot of us, especially this year and last year, we have walked through unbelievable, unimaginable pain. We all have empty chairs in our lives. Unmet expectations. Things that we wanted to happen that didn't or things that did happen that we didn't want. And what I want to offer you today is this. I know, trust me when I say I know it hurts. But what I want to offer you today is something that only God can offer. God offers you his peace. But you have to believe it. You have to trust it. The truth is, if we needed advice, God would have sent a counselor. If we needed more or better laws or policies, he would have sent a politician. Praise God, he didn't do that. If we needed more knowledge, more motivation, he would have sent a coach or a teacher. But he didn't. Why? Because God knew that we needed forgiveness and we needed healing and we needed hope. And so what did he do? He sent a savior. His name is Jesus. And he loves you. Even if you have a whole lot of empty chairs in your life. God says, I love you. God says, I know that this is hard. But I'm with you. I will always be with you. I am Emmanuel, God with you. So the question I have for you today is, what is your empty chair? Who is your empty chair? Are you willing to open that up and allow God to show you what it looks like to change that disappointment to a divine appointment with God's presence. Because it's the only way to find peace in the midst of the hurt. Maybe your disappointment can become a divine appointment with God's presence. My hope is that this Christmas you experience that even if there are hard things in your life this year. This God has always loved you and he always will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I admit this morning, myself at least, that 
this year has been, it seems like a regular system chain of disappointments. And if everybody in this room was going to be honest, if anybody, everybody that was listening and watching online is going to be honest, this year, or maybe, maybe it was years past, maybe, maybe the empty chair thing happened a long time ago for some people, but it's still there. The pain is still there. And let's be honest, disappointment, the pain of disappointment doesn't just go away. You just have to meet us in the midst of it. And this Christmas, my hope and my prayer, God, is that every person, every single person in this room, every person that's listening, every person that's watching, me included, because I need it too, God, we need to be reminded of your goodness and your peace and your grace and your forgiveness in our life. That you sent Jesus to be with us. You could have done all kinds of different things, but you sent yourself to be with us us because you knew how much we were hurting and how much forgiveness we needed, how much we needed hope in the midst of darkness. Because sometimes the silence is deafening. It is terrorizing. Sometimes the silence is so horrible, it's hard for us to walk through. But in the midst of that silence, you meet us. You're with us. Help us remember that in the midst of that silence that you are there. Loving us, forgiving us, giving us hope and peace. If we simply turn to you and allow you to change us, to impact us, to move on. Give us your hope and your peace this Christmas. We ask this and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to do something that we don't normally do. We're going to finish with a song. You guys are going to stay seated. And we're going to sing a song called Somewhere in Your Silent Night. We've done this. We did this a few years ago. But I would encourage you to Close your eyes to pause just for a moment and just let these words sink in. That wherever you are in the midst of your disappointment, your silent night, that somewhere in that silent night, God is there. That he loves you. And that he's praying for you. He's interceding on your behalf. It's the hope of Christmas. So as they sing, allow God to speak to you in these next